Hello and welcome to PodSpot, the UK's only HubSpot-themed podcast. It's a regular look at the latest updates from HubSpot and practical hints and tips directly from the mouths of HubSpot users and partners. As you can hopefully already tell, I'm not your usual PodSpot host, Ian Townsend. Nope, my name is Phil Thomas. I'm the solutions architect here at Karma Digital. And today I'm joined by our lead strategist, Alicia Shave. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> not bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Good, good. So this is a very different to what we're used to on our daily basis. We're uh, we're both very new to podcasts, so hopefully this goes well. I'm sure it will. Absolutely, this is uh, you know something a bit different in our in our day to day work. So uh, I'm excited actually to get started. I am too. <laughs> but today we're going to be looking at something a little bit different from the usual um, show. Today we're going to be discussing some questions that we're frequently asked about HubSpot as a whole. Um, so let's get into it. I hope you enjoy it. So question one that we often get is, how can I streamline and automate our marketing, sales, and customer service operations using HubSpot's automation tools? I think this is such a good question. I think before you actually go into the automation side of HubSpot, because obviously it's it, a, lot, a lot of clients we get these days, obviously they have their general processes, you know, marketing, sales, and service, and they jump straight into how do we add automation to our processes? I think the first thing that's really important is to take a bit of a step back and think about what is that process? What is that marketing process, that sales process and that service process? How, what is the alignment also between those teams? By adding just automation into a process, you can sort of start to mess with different people's tasks, timeframes. Um, you know, there's, there's loads of different knock-on effects that that can have. So I think it's super important to analyze that overall process, first of all, then working out where those gaps are, how can automation help with those gaps, but also take away some of that sort of manual work. What's your thoughts on that, Phil? I completely agree. I was actually going to ask a follow-up question, which was, as your role within um, Carmen as a lead strategist, do you often find yourself streamlining um, clients' processes during that initial um, kind of planning stage? You know what? Yes. To be honest, when when I'm working with clients during a discovery phase, it's an opportunity to analyze the overall end-to-end process or whether that's a marketing process that they want to focus on or any particular department of their choice. We sort of review, we start off with what do you currently do? Obviously, you know, you go through all the different points of entry, you know, the lead routing side of things, the handover between marketing and sales. What, what, it, what currently happens in that process from an operations point of view, but also from a user journey point of view? So what do the customers go through when they're working with you? The second thing to look at is where are the gaps? So where, what are the friction points? Where's the frustration within that process? Is it that the contacts are coming in through the contact us form and, you know, they're just sort of left in DubSpot CRM? Is it that, you know, the, the the sales reps aren't quite being assigned at the right moment, it leads to getting dropped? Where are the where are the gaps? Where are the friction points? Where where would they like to focus on? Now, naturally, as they are talking, I'll find some more gaps, I'll find some points that we would need to discuss later on. But it's interesting to let them sort of talk about their process. And definitely as a team, you get multiple different uh, op- um, opinions, you know, everyone's got their own ideas of how they'd like to change it starting with the basics, and then you work out how do we change this. What you don't want to do is fix something that's then not broken. So taking their current process and just optimizing it rather than changing it. Absolutely. And I think from uh, from an automation standpoint as well, um, 
obviously my my role involves a lot of technical building and automation within HubSpot itself. I think I take it for granted because 99.9% of the time when I've got a project um, on my plate, uh, it, it's usually gone through your capable hands. So the process has already been streamlined and optimized as much as it can be. So there's very little for me to actually do in regards to process optimization, if any at all. Um, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> no, you, you do do a fantastic job. Um, but when it comes to automation specifically, um, I, I I love to say it to my clients. I'm an automation specialist. Um, there was a quote. I can't remember who said it. It might have been Bill Gates. Um, it's, it's a bit of a, how do I say it? Um, someone said, if you want something done quickly and officially, uh, quickly and efficiently, find the laziest person because they'll always find a way to automate it and make it quicker and easier. Um, and in the best way possible, I am the laziest person, um, which is why I call myself an automation specialist. Um, but I think it's quite actually an open-ended question. So just to reiterate it, how can I streamline and automate our marketing, sales, and customer service operations using HubSpot's automation tools? It's quite an open-ended question because each part of that question could be automated. So in marketing's case, it could be lead nurturing sequences, uh, sending an automatic email um, when the customer's birthday is coming up. Um, when it comes to sales, it could be back-end automation. So stuff that doesn't send emails out to the customer could be creating a task when a deal moves to a specific deal stage. Um customer service as well it would just work off the ticket system so again when that ticket gets updated to a certain stage we could send that customer an email to say hey look your ticket has progressed assuming that the client's using tickets uh, as a customer service tool um so there it is quite an open-ended question but honestly with hubspot workflows almost anything is possible and we've I don't recall if we've ever had a situation where a client has asked for something and we've been unable to make it a reality within HubSpot's workflows. Uh, can you think of anything? No, I, I think we've been able to automate pretty much everything that they've requested, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think my favorite kind of automation workflows that we generally build is what we call admin workflows, where they're moving data between objects, they are the falling through the net sort of workflows. So an example of a fall through the net workflow would be that a deal has been sat in a deal stage for too long, and it's just a prompt to the sales rep to say, hey, look, the deal's been sat here for this amount of time. Is there an update? You know, has it been forgotten about? Just to make sure. And you know what, just to add the security to the sales reps mm. that, you know, there, there is stuff in the background that's going to catch things just in case. They don't have to be working at 100% every single day. You know, it's not realistic. We're all human at the end of the day. We're not <laughs> robots. Thankfully, AI is not going to quite take over our roles just yet. Oh. <laughs> we'll see what the future holds with that one. But um, <laughs> yes, I think the admin workflows are the favorite because they are so underestimated, but they are so important and the underlying aspects of any process that we that we build they're, they're the ones that are, that are the, you know, moving data between the objects so that when a marketing, when the marketing team look at a contact record, they're seeing X, Y, Z. But when the sales team look at their deal records, they're also seeing X, Y, Z. And that's all automated, no manual work, but no one really realizes that that's what's going on in the background. So I think it's so important to remember those aspects along with the other general automation that you think of as 
automating tickets, automating deals, you know, email nurture sequences. So I think there is two halves to that question. Absolutely. And it's it's funny as well, you mentioned that, how it's uh, under it, it's undervalued because no no client has ever said to us, like, we want admin workflows, but we as standard <laughs> <No>. <laughs> will put those in during the implementation phase. And it's only when they actually start using HubSpot that they just think that HubSpot's working automatically doing that. But we've created those and set them up and running. Um, it's um, it's like what I always say to clients when they, they a lot of them don't understand the actual true power of workflows. Um, and it's funny that we name this admin workflows because they are doing admin work, um, stuff that a human will have to sit down and do day in, day out, nine till five, because there's often so many of these contacts, so many of these like situations where data will need to be carried across. And I always say to these clients, Think of it as uh, an extra member of staff, but they don't take breaks. They work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they never make mistakes. And that's also usually if if the client is umming and ahhing over license costs. If you mention like, well, imagine if you paid someone to do all the work that this automation is doing, how much would you have to pay them per year compared to how much you'd have to pay for a professional level license in HubSpot? So it's, uh, it is truly like having an extra member of staff that solely does admin, but they never complain about how boring that it is. That is such a good point. <laughs> I think we need to definitely uh, say that a lot more to our, to our clients. Uh, I think we definitely need to point that out a lot more. That's definitely a very good point. I think that also then leads quite nicely into our next question that we have, which is uh, what steps can I take to enhance communication and coordination between our marketing, sales and customer service teams using HubSpot? Uh, Phil, I'll give that question straight to you. (laughs) Well, we've already kind of touched upon it. So with those admin workflows, we can sync data between various objects within HubSpot. So obviously, marketing are going to be looking at the contact record using the lifecycle stage property to to judge that journey through the process. Sales will then be using deals uh, and progressing with deal stages. And then if they've got a customer service team using HubSpot, they'll probably be using tickets. So the fact that we can sync information between those contacts, deals, and tickets so that whenever something big happens on the contact, we can push that information to any associated deal and ticket so that the the sales and customer service teams will be able to see that that event has happened and be able to react accordingly. So for instance, if the contact says, uh, can you please stop contacting me? I'm not interested. And they unsubscribe from all emails. We can set up a workflow that will trigger um, a data sync between all associated deals and tickets to say, don't contact this person. And if we didn't put that in place, the salesperson might look at that deal and try calling that person up. They might get an earful that that the customer might be angry. If we can sync that data between the teams and give that kind of full visibility business-wide, the salesperson can see, don't call that person. In fact, let's move this deal to lost let's just save everyone the time and worry. Um, But also the little things, just like the way HubSpot can log notes, calls, and emails, just so wherever you are, whoever's looking at that record, they'll be able to see full visibility of what their colleagues and various teams are doing. Um, You got anything else that, that you might add, Alicia? Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes back to the alignment between those teams that I was mentioning at the beginning of this podcast uh, episodes mm. that, you know, you want to make sure that with the between the marketing and sales teams and then between sales and service and or any other, you know, other other options you've got, 
that you want to make sure the alignment is there, that there is a process in place, that both teams are aware of what that process looks like. So from, I mean, again, it may not be from marketing to sales. You might immediately have people that come straight in from the contact us. You might have your customer service team look after them, for example, that then goes straight to the sales team. You need to make sure that the alignment between the teams are there and that the line of communication is open. So as soon as a lead does come in, you know, whoever that is that is assigned, they are the ones that gives that, that contact a call or they're dropping them an email and that is then logged in HubSpot CRM and then obviously handed over to the sales guys, whether that is then, as you mentioned, Phil, using automation to, to sort of, you know, automatically notify a sales rep or send them a notification to say, hey, look, you've got a brand new contact. They've already been phoned by this particular person in the company. Here's a conversation that's had. It's now over to sort of progress this further into the pipeline. I think that's such a smoother transition between both teams rather than a contact coming in. They've been phoned. You know, they, they, whoever it was that phoned them has just, you know, emailed the, the sales rep to say, hey, look, here's a new contact or they'll create the deal for them. I think there can be uh, there can be a lot of room for errors doing it that way. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, sales guys could then start repeating questions that, the, that whoever it was at the beginning started asking. It's not as smooth of a journey. The customer can end up getting frustrated. So I think the internal comms is so, so important. And it's such absolutely, a, and it's one of the biggest things that we get with our, with a lot of clients we get in is that the alignment between the teams just isn't quite there. They have the fundamentals there, but we want to optimize that with using you know using automation and workflows to help make that that process a lot more streamlined. I suppose. Absolutely, and I think it's important to kind of mention that kind of tying into how uh, one of the first things you said with question one was um, just making sure that that process map, that uh, that full journey is really mapped out and having clear defined points in that journey um, to indicate when a customer journey is transitioning from the marketing team to the sales, to the customer service, having those 100% unambiguous defined points in that customer journey is so important um because if 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 no one really understands or truly understands the entire journey how are they going to know when to pass that on and things get that's how things fall through the cracks that's how customers get dropped and forgotten about accidentally so yeah i think to reiterate what we said in the last uh, the last podcast actually process and discovery process mapping and discovery is key um, for for this, I think a hundred percent, and I think uh, any any listeners that are listening are going to get sick of us saying that. But definitely <laughs> review your process. Make sure that each team understands their role that they play within that, and then you can find the gaps and optimize from there, rather than taking just one each segment, one one segment at a time, and going, how do we make this better? You know, what what flashy tools can we implement? Sometimes flashy tools won't fix the problem unless you truly understand what's going on. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we've been quite in depth. We should probably calm down because we're just teaching everyone how to do our jobs. I know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> let's not give all of our secrets away. Just that <laughs> Won't give all of our secrets away. <laughs> but that leads us on to number three. Um, how can I integrate HubSpot with our existing tools and systems to create a seamless operational workflow? So have you, have, have you had any clients recently that have had uh, third-party systems that you've needed to factor into your uh, process mapping? Oh, 100%. I mean, this is this question leads straight on from what we were just talking about. Um, absolutely. There is so many clients. I mean, obviously, no one's tech stack is just one piece of software. 
I mean, maybe for a, for a brand new startup, that would that that would make sense. <laughs> In but, a perfect world. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But everyone's got many different, you know, platforms, software, tools, everything in their tech stack. And mm-hmm. obviously, the the common trend is that you want to reduce your tech stack so that it's as small as possible. Although I do agree with that. The other thing is then understanding, but what is the purpose of every platform and every piece of software you're using? There is a core purpose that it is then solving for you as part of your mm-hmm. process. So whether that is you're using HubSpot for more of a marketing purpose and Salesforce for a sales purpose or any other instance, whether it's invoicing software or any other you know type of software that you've got, you want to make sure that, again, going back to the process side, what, 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 what point does it play in that overall process? So you could have multiple different software pieces and it's, it sometimes isn't about reducing your tech stack. It's making sure that actually they are all integrated and talking to one mm-hmm. another if that's obviously applicable. You don't literally want every single system talking to one another. Um, But another example is Asana. So that's a project management system. You might have that HubSpot is your core CRM. It's doing your marketing. It's doing your sales. It could be doing your service or any combination of any of those. But also then right at the end of that linking to Asana. And then obviously then you'll have your project management team, whatever fabulous team that might look like in, in different clients' businesses. But that then obviously leads straight on, which is then a seamless process from either straight from sales or whether there's a customer service element in there for you. It it sort of just leads straight in through integration. But while talking about that sort of integration piece without going on a tangent about integrations, because I'm sure, Phil, we can talk about that for hours, (laughs) is making sure that, again, looking at process, you understand the data points that are going across. What are those core use cases? What's the goal Mm -hmm. of the integration? Once that's understood by all parties and all stakeholders that need to be involved, then it's just, you know, it sets you up for, for success, really. Have you got any, any examples from any clients, Phil, that you'd like to bring up today? Yes, actually. Um, now I have to think of one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, ah, that's going in the bloopers reel, isn't it? Okay. Um, HubSpot itself can handle phone calls. But we typically work with third-party providers when it comes to integrating within HubSpot. So we've had a client recently that didn't want to use HubSpot's internal calling tool and instead went with a third-party provider. I'm probably not going to name them because, you know, we're not getting paid for that. Um, But it was a fantastic integration. um, And something I want to touch on as well is HubSpot does have what we call native integrations with hundreds, if not thousands, of third-party tools. Um, So HubSpot itself does have um, an app marketplace where all of these native integrations live. Um, So installing integration nine times out of ten is as simple as going onto the HubSpot marketplace, searching for the tool, and clicking install app. You'll probably have to log in to your third-party tool, but after that, HubSpot does the the app does the rest of it and makes all of those data connections that Alicia was just talking about. It automatically makes all of those for you. That's a really good point, actually, Phil, about all the native hmm. integrations. I went straight to custom integrations right in the (laughs) right in the deep end there. I think you've raised a really good point because HubSpot does have so many native integrations in in its just native software. And I know it's something that you do for clients on, on a regular basis, is they're always saying, Can we integrate this? Can we integrate that? I mean, the answer most likely is yes, but is it native yeah. or is it custom? And you do a lot of native uh, integrations, don't you? I do. And and some of them aren't even on the, the HubSpot um, 
HubSpot Marketplace, but the app itself, the third-party solution itself, might have what would be a native integration on their side. So if it's not available in the HubSpot Marketplace, chances are you've got an integration section on your particular tool that will allow you to connect it up. Um, There was a a chatbot system called Landbot um, that I've recently used. And whilst they don't have a native integration in the HubSpot marketplace, within the app itself, you can just select HubSpot as a module. um, And then you hook it up to your HubSpot portal from that side. um, And it will begin to send data to HubSpot via the HubSpot API. and to any of our tech savvy listeners that, that just heard the word API and their ears pricked up a little bit, um, I hope you've had a chance to play around with it because it is actually a fantastic API. It's very powerful and they're constantly upgrading it, working on it and adding new endpoints. Um, but yeah, to, to also touch back on something that you were mentioning before, Alicia, like with custom integrations, um, it is something that we do as a company and we're more than capable. Um, shout out to Jamie Boardman on the developer team, if you're listening. Um, he is our, our internal uh, integrations specialist, an absolute guru when it comes to integrating various tech stacks with HubSpot. I just call um, him a wizard because he seems to be it, able to it, do everything I ask him to. <laughs> it is akin to magic what that boy can do um when given some time and a computer (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely i think that also bleeds quite nicely into our last question that we have for today um which is what's the best way to manage and maintain a clean organized database within hubspot for efficient operations phil i'll hand this straight over to you who deals with (laughs) a lot of data cleanses data manipulations you name it yeah, well, uh, one of my, uh, my my most recent career moves was to be a database manager. And the, the company I worked for had an incredibly large database. But it was... Ugh. It was filthy. It was such a bad data set. And cleaning it was such a huge undertaking. And I, I kind of thought to myself, had no one before me thought to do any sort of cleaning on this? So I guess my main answer to that question is don't just let your data get into a bad way and then clean it at once. Continually clean it. Continually work on your data set. Um, So the thing I'd suggest is yearly HubSpot audits. So at least once a year. And if if you've got the, the resources, do it more. Do it every six months, every three months. Go through your portal do a data cleanse, run through it, make sure that the the contacts in your database should be on there. Like, do they still exist? Have they left the job that you were that you thought they were in? Do a cleanse, get rid of any unnecessary data. Um, also, going back to kind of our admin workflows, uh, we also create what we call data cleanse dashboards for clients, which are sort of admin dashboards as such. Um, And these data cleanse dashboards will typically just show the number of contacts or deals or tickets or any object that are missing certain, um, certain values in certain properties, or if they haven't been contacted in a certain amount of time, or if they've been stuck in a certain deal stage for a prolonged period of time, they'll show up in these data cleanse dashboards. And we recommend that clients will use these um, and even make their own as well, because it will point them in the right direction when it comes to a data cleanse. They'll know exactly which contacts to cull from their database um, and just keep it as clean as possible. Absolutely. Anything else from you, Alicia? 
Yeah, there's been many use cases, actually, many clients that we've done a data claims dashboard for them after they've either migrated into HubSpot or it's sort of a optimization on their current process sort of project. And we'll build this dashboard out. And obviously, the, the, the timestamp that we're using is just all time so that we can see mm. the whole picture of what this data cleanse looks like. And their reaction is usually quite shocked. They are, they're usually quite <laughs> taken back. They're a little bit scared of this dashboard, actually. Um, which, you know, we, we go in and reassure all of the clients and say, look, actually, this is the entire picture, but we can break this down into segments. We can also use workflows, again, by going back to our beloved tool in HubSpot, which is the workflows, uh, using those to sort of add in the data and uh, obviously some stuff you could do historically. One thing that I do also like to say is that we're going to find a cutoff point. So at the point that we've implemented all the workflows that we can to help help the data segmentation going forwards, whether that's also finding required fields within the pipelines or adding required fields when you're creating a contact or whatever that might be that actually we can select a date and say as of I don't know yeah let's use today as an example the 28th of September as of today we're going to set all of those reports to be that date so anything going forwards that's what we're going to pick up on doing it historically is is very is a lot more difficult it relies on Mm. data already being there it relies on patterns being there uh, obviously, I don't think anyone's really got time to sit there and manually go through rows and yeah. rows of data. I don't think anyone really enjoys that. Um, no. So, you know, you would find a cutoff point, but it's definitely so important, like you said, Phil, to do an audit of the data and not let it get into a state where you then require, you know, to spend potentially hundreds and thousands trying to actually clean this data up. When if you just have yep. the automation in place, you have the data cleanse dashboards in place. Again, going back to process, you've understood the process and the data segmentation that's required in that, and you've added mm-hmm. you've added points in that process where that data must be completed by your teams, holding them accountable for that segmentation so that it doesn't end up in a filthy state, as you mentioned at the beginning. A hundred percent agree with that. And I think I think one of the reasons the data cleanse dashboard is so scary to a lot of clients is we we're we're used to seeing dashboards and big numbers is good. Like you see a big number awesome but the data cleanse dashboard is one of the few where big numbers is not good and no. it messes with your head a little bit <laughs> I, I agree you want to see as many zeros as possible on that dashboard and it is such an achievement when you do finally see a zero when I'm working with clients and we sort of put all the workflows in place and obviously you have got that cutoff point but you finally see a zero where there is no data missing underneath for example the lifecycle stage field it's such a good feeling and especially with the client as well <laughs> they're like finally we have we've made progress towards a cleaner crm and database absolutely and and kind of moving on slightly from the data itself um that that suggestion of doing a at least yearly hubspot audit does extend onto the back end parts of hubspot as well so your workflows. A lot of clients will be very quick to create new workflows until there are hundreds or thousands of workflows on a portal, but 90% of them might be switched off. And it just means that when you're going to look for a specific workflow, it's so saturated, the, the, the pool is so diluted that it's so hard to find the specific one you're after. So making sure that you go through your workflows and audit those as well, just delete anything that's not applicable anymore. Um, and I suppose another one as well, just keeping your portal organized, uh, something that we're very big advocates of is folders. And I can't stress, stress this enough. 
put things in folders like your workflows, your forms, anything that has the capability to be folded in HubSpot, do it. You'll thank yourself in about six months time where you need to go back to that one workflow that you're working on and you can't remember where it is. You'll wish you put it in a folder. And as Phil as Phil knows, I'm very OCD and very, very organized. So whenever we do any implementation, Phil already knows exactly what folders we always want our workflows <laughs> to be in, uh, groups for custom properties. Yes. And you know what clients really do thank us afterwards because you know, they're getting used to a new, a new system, they're getting used to sort of new tools, it can be overwhelming. So just by having things already in folders, already organized, they can find things a lot easier, and they do end up thanking us for it afterwards. And I think another thing to mention regarding those audits that you were talking about, Phil, is custom property audits. Now, we were talking mm-hmm. about data cleanse dashboards and saying that they are so useful, you know, they, they really help pinpoint where the gaps are in the segmentation. Now, none of that would be possible if you don't keep up with your custom properties. Now, what you don't want to do is have obviously multiple teams working in HubSpot or multiple users creating the same property, but under a different name. You don't yep. want duplicate property fields. You don't want multiple country fields, multiple lifecycle stage fields, multiple lead statuses. That's when it becomes, that's basically a recipe for disaster, quite frankly. And then obviously that's when you need the data cleanse dashboards to understand where to merge them, where all the segmentation is. So making sure that when a property is created, there isn't already a property there. Um, Again, putting them in groups, making sure that it's all organized. That then feeds into the data cleanse dashboards. That then feeds into a clean CRM system. Absolutely. That's great advice. And normally what we suggest is also creating a external document, which is a sort of a data mapping document of sorts, a single source of truth. So that if someone's thinking, oh, is there a, is there a property that exists for this? They can look at that document and see, oh, there already is. It's just a different name that I was thinking. Um, so yeah, absolutely fantastic bit of advice for keeping your portal clean, tidy, and usable. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, I think that should that should be it. What do you, what do you think, Alicia? No, I think that's it. Um, I don't think I've got anything else to add to any of the other questions. Okay, guys, you've been listening to PodSpot, the UK's only HubSpot-themed podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a follow or share the podcast on socials. It really does help. If this is your first time listening, we've now got 46 episodes for you to get your teeth into, and you can find them wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you very soon.